Welcome to the Bethany Covenant Church Sermon Podcast. We are a multi-generational community in Berlin, Connecticut. Our services are held Sundays at 9.30 a.m., and you can find out more about us at www.bethanycovenant.org. Good morning. It's so good to be back here at Bethany Covenant Church. You may not realize this, but this is my home church. Pauline is from Minnesota, and I guess that's why we're living there now. But uh, I grew up in Farmington, Connecticut, and Bethany has always been my home church. And uh, this congregation, even though it has changed quite a lot over the years, this congregation has always supported us. We have our first slide, if we can take a look at that. Um, It describes how we are... Well, no, the one before that, please. Before that. <laughs> well, it, there should be one up there. There we go. says that we have served in Japan since 1983 and been supported by Bethany Covenant since 1984. Um, that's technically when the church kind of sent a letter to Covenant World Mission saying, we're going to support Gary and Pauline and their work in Japan. But your support as a congregation goes back before... 84 to 83 when we were commissioned and sent out. And actually before that, I was a short-termer in Japan in 1975-76 for one year. And even before that, as the church has helped me find my call to ministry and mission, um, so it's very uh, a great privilege to come back here once again and to share with you. Um, if we go on to the next slide here, yes, this is uh, how we look back in the day, and I, I know there are a few people in the congregation that actually do remember us <laughs> this way. Uh, we were at a church recently where we shared this presentation, and the pastor said, uh, uh, kind of shouting out across the congregation, said, that's back when they were in junior high school. Um, not quite. So, next slide. So, when we first went to Japan in 1983, we It was a family of three, Gary and me and our older son, Adam. Next. Next. But eventually Andy joined our family, and so we raised our boys in Japan. And because you have prayed for our family through the years, we thought we'd give you a little update. So both boys are living in Japan. Adam behind me is a teacher at an international school, And he now has four kids. He's uh, married to Meg, a wonderful Japanese Christian. And uh, they're going to be there long term. Andy, next to Gary, is living in Japan for a few years with his wife, Cammie. And now they have two little girls. Next. When I first went to Japan, all I knew of Japan was Mount Fuji, a beautiful mountain in that country. Uh, The most climbed mountain in the world, the second most is not too far from from where we are. It's Mount Monadnock up near Pilgrim Pines in New Hampshire, and I've climbed both. Next. Uh, Japan is a beautiful country, 80% mountains, and in the summer when the leaves are full uh, on the trees, it's just a beautiful place to drive around. Next. But really, we're focused, of course, on the people of Japan. 126 million people in Japan. Um, about 14 million in the city of Tokyo that you see here, uh, and the surrounding areas with Tokyo included, it's about 40 million people is the commuting area in the Tokyo area, maybe the largest metropolitan area in the world. Next. 
This is what Japan, uh, the Tokyo area, looks like for a train and subway map. Those are all train and subway lines. This is a jigsaw puzzle we have. We haven't ridden on every one of those lines, but quite a few. And sometimes it feels like all 40 million in the Tokyo area are on the same train car with us. It can be that crowded. Next. The religions of Japan are Shinto and Buddhism. It's not an either or. People pick and choose ceremonies from these two religions as uh, the, the time of year or time of their lives uh, makes it convenient. So to share Christ in Japan can be a little bit difficult. Next. You can find a Shinto shrine on the grounds of a Buddhist temple. We don't tell people you can worship Jesus and do these other things. We're trying to tell them that Jesus is Lord, and that makes things a little bit difficult. Next. People go to shrines and temples to offer prayers for very practical things in their lives. Um, someone he be healed in the family from an illness or for a young person to pass an entrance exam into the next level of school or find a job. And um, we ask people in Japan, who did you pray to? And they look at us like, you're crazy. Because their prayers are more like the way we make wishes when we blow out the candles on a birthday cake. Not really directed at anybody that you have a relationship with. Next. So we want to have a chance to let you know that through your prayers and partnering with us, you've been in, involved in quite a few ministries. Next. So the first thing that you have helped us to do is plant three churches in Japan. Next. Our first church plant was the Isazaki Covenant Church, 70 miles northwest of Tokyo. And for the first three years, Next. it was just our family of four and one Japanese Christian. And every Sunday morning, that's what was in worship. But Sunday school had 35 kids. And so we just really pray that the seeds that were planted when they were little will come to fruition when they're adults. Next. And so we got to know neighbors. We just got to um, be just part of the community and just show them that we love them, that God loves them, and that um, the church is a safe place, a place to come and learn about God. Next. That first church plant was 1988, and then 10 years later, we were part of the planting of the Nakahara Christ Church. Next. This church we planted together with Pastor and Mrs. Uh, Sasaki, and very interesting, they had a vision for not just planting a church, but starting an elder care ministry. And so our church became a place for people, the elderly, to receive care during the day or to receive home helpers. Next slide. Uh, that ministry and that church has grown over the years. They now have their own four-story building. The first floor is uh, daycare for the elderly during the week, and then um, Sunday morning is used for worship. The second floor is office and meeting space. Third and fourth floors are apartments for the elderly and also people with various uh, disabilities. Uh, the church has had quite an impact on its community. Next. Oh, yeah, and you might see if you were there uh, on a weekday, you might see the elderly there and uh, playing balloon volleyball with some of the little kids that come with their moms because there's also a ministry to help moms who have preschool kids. Next. So our third church we planted was a Shonan Community Church south of Tokyo in the city of Fujisawa. And Next. that was in a neighborhood of 700 homes, no church presence. 
We prayed for three years, where, Lord, where do you want this church to be planted? So it's been a great way. We've, I do a lot with kids in the neighborhood and get to know moms and teach some English classes. And just seeing how um, we can start impacting families in the neighborhood has been a wonderful blessing. Next. At church, we, Gary and I were involved with music. Gary plays guitar, I play percussion. And Gary would preach and we'd be involved in other ministries at the church. Next. And of course, just like you, COVID visited Japan. And so we had to go online for a while, which was a blessing in its own way. Some of our church people lived in Tokyo and we were like two hours away so they could be part of worship. But also, many Christians are the only Christian in their family. So as they're listening to worship on a Sunday morning, other church members are family hearing members. what's going on. What? Family, family members. members. Family members are hearing what's going on. And we know of a 90-year-old 90, 90 couple that want to be baptized because they heard the gospel through online worship. Next. This church also has eight nationalities, which has been a fun thing to worship together with folks from other countries and use Japanese as our, our common language. Next. You can tell we've done this many times and we don't always remember what we're gonna say next. Um, I've been involved with MK Education through being on the board of directors of the Missionary Kids School in Japan. Next. It's called Christian Academy in Japan. I was on the board of directors for many years. And just seeing how God has used that school to care for missionaries and their kids through Next. the years and also impact the community in the area. So that's been a, a blessing as well. Next. Another ministry that your prayers and giving has made possible for me to do has been to teach future leaders at Covenant Seminary. Next. Uh, our Covenant Seminary in downtown Tokyo is probably at this point the largest Protestant seminary in all of Japan. 70 plus students from a variety of uh, denominations, including the Japan Covenant and independent churches are studying uh, courses to become pastors or lay leaders or involved in Christian education and youth ministry. Next. I taught missiology, which is the study of God's mission to the world and how we are invited by God's grace to partner with him in doing that work of bringing the good news of Jesus around the world. Over 12 years, I had about 92 students who are now uh, leaders in local churches, pastors, and hopefully with a larger vision of what God is doing and how their churches can be part of that. Next. Another ministry that you helped me to be part of by your giving and your prayers was to do interim pastoral work in a couple of churches in crisis. Next. The Hiratsuka Covenant Christ Church uh, back in the early 2000s hit a time where their pastor was forced to resign. There were some things that he did that were not correct and he was forced to resign. It left the church in crisis and I was asked to step in and be their pastor for uh, a couple of years. Uh, wonderful group of people. They're still uh, meeting together and uh, serving Christ, and it was my privilege to be their interim pastor. Next. More recently, and before coming back to the United States, I was interim pastor at another church in a pastoral crisis situation, the Shiakitsu Christ Church. Uh, again, another pastor who was doing some things that were not correct in a, a possible church split. Uh, I was asked to step in and help the church heal and move forward. Next slide. And uh, just a wonderful 
opportunity again to be part of a group of people looking once again to, to Christ for who they are supposed to be and how they are supposed to serve in their community. Next. As Pauline and I left Japan, we left uh, kind of a graying and aging ministerium in some sense. There are Japanese pastors that were getting older that we knew from even back when we had been short-term missionaries in the 70s. And yet, at the same time, God has been raising up young leaders. We've got a number of young Japanese pastors who are filling positions like Pastor Hiro in this uh, slide. He's also the one who's taken over my missiology class at Covenant Seminary. So we praise God for how he's been at work um, in raising up new leaders for the church in Japan to keep moving forward. Next. Mr. Ishii here wanted to get baptized for his faith in Christ, and he wanted to be baptized in the ocean. I'd never done a baptism in the ocean, and I really was not doing the baptism so much as I was maybe like the lifeguard to make sure that he and the pastor didn't get swept by the undertow out to the ocean uh, far off the coast. Uh, there were surfers in the area whizzing by on their surfboards and some people carrying their surfboards on the beach and saying, what are you guys doing dressed in white and standing in the water like that? Well, we were able to share Christ with them as well. Mr. Ishii came to Christ and he has become one of the leaders in the Shonan Community Church. And one reason for sharing this picture is to say when someone in Japan comes to Christ, it's just as real as when you and I meet Jesus. The culture, the language, the worship style of a church, it may be very different from what we experience, but Jesus and the gospel message is the same. And lives are changed for Christ, and we're very thankful we've had the chance to be part of that for 40 years. Next. So we want to say thank you. We couldn't have done what we did without your prayers, without your financial giving. And just knowing you were there, you were our partners, it made a whole big difference. So I want to just say thank you and hope you realize that you are part of what is happening around the world. Thank you. We had our scripture passage for the, the sermon read earlier. If you have a Bible uh, to open up to Mark chapter 4, or if you have a Bible app on your phone, please uh, join with me as we take a look at this passage. It's the story of a crossing of a lake. Now, Pauline and I are living in Minnesota, and you may know the license plates, uh, the slogan of the state of Minnesota is land of how many? 10,000 lakes. Actually, it's more like 15,000 and a few puddles here and there. Um, it seems that a lot of people in Minnesota, when it's summer or Memorial Day, Labor Day, they go to the lake. They tell everybody they're going to the lake. They don't say which one of the 10 to 15,000, but people go to the lake for relaxation. And a lot of people have lake stories to tell. It might be about the big fish that they caught or the, the one that got away. Uh, I have my own lake story, but it's not Minnesota. It's at our own East Coast Conference's Pilgrim Pines, Lake Swansea. Uh, I went to camp every summer from the age of nine at Camp Squanto, and one of my last years there, I was in high school and I was a counselor. Um, one of the things I wanted to do during that summer as a counselor was to swim across the lake East to west, it's like uh, about maybe five football fields, I would guess, in distance. 
So a friend of mine who was another counselor, she had the afternoon off as well. And I said, Allison, would you spot me in a boat as I swim across? And she said, sure, I'll do that. So I got in the water at the swimming area. She went and got a boat, but she got a canoe. And the wind was blowing from the south. So as I swam east to west, the wind blew her to the north, and she was nowhere close to me. Now, if you've been at Lake Swansea at Pilgrim Pines, you know there can be in the summer a lot of motorboats, sometimes pulling water skiers, and going back and forth. And if you're swimming, that's why you need a spotter in a boat. Allison wasn't anywhere near me, so I had to keep watching. And every time a motorboat got close, I dove down about 10, 15 feet and tried to wait. And, you know, maybe now it's safe to come up. I'd kind of be careful coming up and looking around and see if it was okay. Uh, and I did make it across. Allison went this way across uh, over um, the, the Mayflower area, the beach up there, and down to the, the east side of, of the lake. And we were able to go back safely in the canoe together. The Sea of Galilee is somewhat like Lake Swansea in terms of being long north to south. It's about 13 miles, which makes it a whole lot bigger than, than Lake Swansea and about eight miles across east to west. It's the lowest freshwater lake in the world. And it's surrounded by hills, which means you can have storms come up very suddenly, uh, very unexpectedly. Before the passage that we had read for us in Mark chapter four, Jesus has spent the day on the shore of Lake Galilee teaching the crowds. In fact, there were so many people coming forward that he decided he should get in the boat of one of his disciples so that he could be in the boat and not pushed by the crowd. He could teach from the boat to the people on the shore. He told them about the kingdom of God, about God's uh, love for all of them throughout that day. And then at the end of the day, when he was finished with his teaching, he said to his disciples in the boat, let's go over to the other side. And then a storm came up, and <coughs> excuse, excuse me, amazingly, Jesus was asleep. Now, later on in the passage, we read about Jesus getting up and stilling the storm, and that's the miracle, but in some sense for me, a bigger miracle is that Jesus could sleep in a boat in the middle of a storm with waves crashing over the sides. I don't know if I could do that. Jesus said to his disciples, let's go over to the other side. If that was me, it would be kind of a suggestion, you know, something I'd like to do. If it's okay with, with you, the rest of you in the boat, could we go over to the other side? Let's go over there. But this is Jesus. So when he says, let's go over to the other side, it's not a wish or a suggestion subject to the approval of the rest of the group. It is what's going to happen because Jesus is master. Jesus is Lord. And they go, and it doesn't matter that a storm comes up. They're still going to get to the other side because Jesus has decided that. If you get a chance later today or at another time, read Mark chapter 5, the beginning, the, the passage that follows this. And you'll see that when the, Jesus and the disciples get to the other side of the lake, there's someone over there who desperately needs Jesus' help. And my impression of things is that Jesus said, let's go over to the other side 
not as a pleasure cruise, not for sightseeing, but because there was more ministry, more people to care for. And Jesus wanted to care for this, this man on the other side of the lake. In our lives, there are times of transition, times of change, and times when it seems we're in the midst of a storm. When we're in those times of transition and the storms come up, it can give us time to think about what's really going on in our lives. We can feel threatened by the things that we see around us and wonder if the things we've been holding on to in our lives are really sure and secure. Might even lead us to moments of of despair. Pauline and I have had, in 40 years of ministry in Japan, exciting times of seeing people come to faith in Christ, of seeing churches planted. But in the midst of this, there have been times of discouragement and even despair. You may remember from uh, Pauline's words about our first church plant, the Isesaki uh, Covenant Christ Church, that for the first three years of that church's life, Worship on Sunday morning was our family of four and one Japanese believer for three years. And people sometimes will compliment us. Wow, you really, really hung in there. That was great. And I say, our Japanese friend, Miss Arai, she's the one that gets the credit. Because if she had said to us, well, this is obviously not working out. I'm going to go find a better church than this one where something's really happening then we would have had to pack up our bags and figure out something else to do. But Miss Arai stayed with us, and because of her faithfulness and her belief with us that God was doing something, uh, we kept going. And later on, other people were added to the church. The Shonan Community Church, uh, the third of our church plants, we were actually moving a dying church out of a city center into a more suburban type place. It was really a restart, which is, is like a church plant, in a new community of 700 homes. We were preparing to start new ministries from that new location, that new building. And in Japan, the new school year, fiscal year, church year is April 1st. So in March, leading up to that time, we had prepared all these different new programs, some of the English classes Pauline was going to teach and other things. We were going to start new programs and invite our, our neighbors in our community to come to our church, get to know us, and enjoy these different things together with us, and to hear about Jesus. Well, that was to be April of 2011. Does anybody here remember what happened in March of 2011, specifically March 11th, 2011. Yes, the earthquake that was 9.0 on the Richter scale off the northeast coast of Japan, the strongest and the longest earthquake Pauline and I had ever experienced. We needed to rethink what our church planting program was going to be because nobody after that for a while with power blackouts and so much uncertainty Nobody wanted to come out of their homes for special things. And my thought in that time, and also back in the time in the Isasaki church plant, was, God, we're here to do your work. Why is this happening? Where are you? And it felt like Jesus asleep in the boat. Don't you care? This looks like we're going to drown. Where are you? What are you doing? 
Another one was when I took over as pastor of the Shiankitsu Church as an interim, and we needed to help that church do a, kind of a, a process of self-study, uh, healing, and moving towards a new future. And just as I got started in ministry there, COVID hit. And for two or three weeks, we didn't have any worship services at all until I could figure out how to do online and get people involved in that. A again, a feeling of, Lord, you've called me to do this ministry, but now it's so difficult. Why? Where are you? What are you doing? What we have learned over time is that in each of these situations, even when the storms arise, and it seems that Jesus is either not there or he's asleep, that yet he is there and he is faithful and he knows what he's doing and he has promised to take us to the other side of that experience. And we've always found, like in Mark chapter 4, that there's more ministry to do once he takes us to that other side. Right now for Pauline and me, we're in a time of transition once again as we move at the end of August from being served globally missionaries. That's the, the world mission arm of the Evangelical Covenant Church denomination. We will retire, and then what? What are we going to do next? What is going to happen in that transition time? So uh, we're once again looking to this passage for uh, hope and encouragement for us, that there's more ministry for us to do. I wonder what's been going on at Bethany Covenant Church in the last years? COVID and other kinds of things, changes that have happened. What about things in your own lives? What's happened in your life to change your existence, to change your experience? Have those transitions been easy or have there been times of storms? Maybe you're in one right now in your own life. And you may wonder at times, God, where are you? What are you doing? It seems like you're not here. Remember what Jesus said to his disciples? Why were you so afraid? Where was your faith? Please, I hope you do not hear that as a rebuke and a rejection of the disciples. I look at that as Jesus saying, take a look at what's happened and grow from this because there's more ahead for you. And that's true for us today, whatever is going on in our lives. Jesus is taking each one of us to the other side of whatever experience we're in right now, whether the transition is easy or difficult. He is with us, even if it may not feel or look that way. Jesus is saying, let's get over to the other side. And he's with us in our boat, maybe even in the midst of the storm, and he's leading us to a place of even more ways in which we can experience his love and grace and to share that with people around us. I believe that's true for Pauline and me in our next step of life. I believe that's true for Bethany Covenant Church and for each of you here today. So I would ask you to take a good look at this passage and hear what Jesus has to say about getting to the other side. And think about what that means for your life and for the life of this congregation. Jesus is here. Whether we can see him or whether we believe it or not, Jesus is here in our lives, in our midst, and he's taking us to the other side. I praise God for the 40 years Pauline and I have had to really see that happen over and over again in our various stages of ministry. And I pray that, that you will also see that in your lives 
and in the life of this congregation as well. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for the work you do in our lives as individuals, as couples, as families, and as a church. We thank you that you are Lord in every situation, no matter what it looks like to our eyes and in the midst of our experience. Thank you, Lord, that in times of transition, you are helping us to get to another side of the lake where there are new opportunities to care for people and to share the good news of Jesus. We thank you that even when it's rough, you have not forgotten us, you have not abandoned us, but you are with us right in the midst of everything. Lord, help us in the midst of difficult transitions to grow in our faith, help us to be ready for new opportunities that you have for us in ways in which we can serve you. Thank you for all your good gifts to us, and I ask your blessing on Bethany Covenant Church and each one of us here in this sanctuary and online today and everyone else who is connected to this church that they may see the good and wonderful things that you have in store. We pray with faith and thanksgiving in Jesus' name. Amen.